Amen. Amen. We're excited to be with you guys. We're believing God for great things in your life. Amen. And, and, and what's cool is, is that we are on the winning team. Okay. If, if any man be in Christ, he's new. That old stuff, that's gone. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Jesus said, you know, in this world, there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some game time. Huh? There's going to be some game time. But be of good cheer. He said, because we've already won. Right? So you, you're not winning. To, you're, not, you're, you know, you're not striving to get a victory. You're, you're, you're living out of a victory. Right? And you're demonstrating the victory that you have. And if you're in Christ, you're on the winning team. Amen? You're on the winning team. How many of you guys have ever been to one of the big games? You ever been to a big game, you know, like an NFL game? You know, grid kids, you know, that's cool. Uh, high school, high school footballs, I think might be my favorite. College is all right. But, but the, you know, how many, hold your, if you've been to an NFL game, hold your hand up real quick. Let people look around. Really what we're doing is we're going to be checking your giving records because you people are rich, okay? Okay, there, there's, a, there's a bunch of cash right there because I got to tell you something. No, nobody, nobody goes to the NFL game without some cheddar, okay? It, 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 it ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. I, I, uh, I remember uh, uh, taking TJ to, to the game, and we pulled up in there, went right up on the top level, you know, and we're going to park, and, and the lady's standing there. We roll the window down. She goes, $50, and I went, see you later. <laughs> you know, and I'm going to go save, save me some money, and, and, and we found a place where we could park. It was about seven miles away. It was 45 bucks. I said, sit in the car. We went right back and gave him 50 okay? You know, it's like, good Lord, man. Uh, it, 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 it is spendy. At the game. Hello? There ain't nothing cheap about being at the game. You know, TJ, man, uh, you know, TJ's, TJ, have, have you seen TJ? He's kind of a big guy, you know, he, and he doesn't just get nachos. They got to have meat on them. So that's up around 30 bucks, you know, for, for nachos. Everything spending, everything, everything, it costs a tremendous amount to be a spectator. You know, just to be a spectator costs you. Huh? You know, I remember one time uh, 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 Glenn Roush took me, and we sat up, uh, I mean, way up, way up in, in a box. It's awesome. We had waiters and waitresses bringing us stuff. There's TV screens everywhere. I'm sitting around, good Lord, I hate to know what this would cost. <laughs> sitting in there thinking, this is kind of like watching it at home. Wonder why we're here, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, but 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 watching from there, it's really cool because you get to see everybody between you and the field. And there's guys just below the box. I mean, they're way up there. You know, the nosebleed section. You know, they're way there. And to really to view the game, they, you know, they've got binoculars and stuff, right? And and and, and pretty soon you see them, and, and and they're not really focused on the field. They're like. Looking around, and, and, you know, and I figured out what they're doing. They're scoping out a different seat. You know, because we're way up here, and I'd like to be way down there. When I took TJ, we were about the 50-yard line, two or three rows up. It was awesome. The only problem is, is you don't actually sit there. You stand the entire game. But the guy, up in the, the guy way up back, you know, he's got his binoculars out, and he's trying to, you know, he wishes he could be repositioned. He wishes he could get, he wishes he could get closer, Right? But you know what? No matter how close you get, you can get repositioned, but you're still not on the field. See, and a lot of people, they've done everything they can to get repositioned, but you're still not on the field. You're still not in the game. 
Hello, somebody. You know, you know I, I think what we have to do is we have to figure out how to get in the game, man. You know, I understand there's safety in the stadium, right? In the bleachers, it's safe. You, you know, you're not going to fumble. Because a lot of times we get out of the game because we're afraid of failing, you know, and, and I won't fumble. Or, or, you know, hey, I don't have to worry about my blind side. I don't have to worry about some, you know, some huge monster taking me out. But you don't have to worry about scoring either. You, you, you can't catch a pass. You can't move the chains. You can't block the run. You know, why? Because you're not in the game. And you can do all the shouting you want and all the screaming you want, but at the end of the deal, you know what's nuts is, is, is that they say like a billion people are going to watch today all around the world. There's going to be nearly 100,000 fans on site. Think about that for just a minute. Nearly 100,000 people in desperate need of exercise watching 22 men in desperate need of rest. And at the end of the game, people are going to be jumping up and down and shouting, we won, we won. You weren't in the game. You know, just getting close to the field, that, that don't count. You weren't created to warm a bench someplace. Man, God's got something for you and in you and on you and around you that he wants to flow through you. And he wants you in the game. Look at somebody tell him, time to get in the game. You know, no, no kid grows up his whole life, you know, dreaming about maybe someday sitting on a bench. No, it's, hey, coach, get me in the game. Get me in the game. Check this out. Matthew 25, we're going to read verses 14 through 30, and we're going to kind of speed through here a little bit. But it, it, it's, got, it's like a man going on a long journey, and he calls his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And uh, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two, and to another one, and each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five, he went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. And the, the guy that had two, he did the same thing. But there's a dude there. Uh, next verse. Uh, the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid it. And uh, after a long time, everybody say long time. The master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five. Everybody say entrusted. entrusted. I'll say it really loud. Entrusted. Okay, I want you to get that word. Okay. And his reply was, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And the man with two, he said, hey, I did the same thing. I gained two more. And he said to him, well done, thou good and faithful. Next one, well done, thou good and faithful. You have been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. Look at this next one. The guy who had received one said, I knew you were hard harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. I went and hid. In, but here, here, take it back. This is what's yours. And look what, look what happened. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I haven't scattered seed. And, and, and next verse. And he said, uh, take the bag from him and give it to the guy who has 10. 29 and 30 are crazy. Whoever has more is going to, he's going to, whoever has going to get more, whoever doesn't have, 
have, even that's going to be taken away from him. Here's verse 30. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So in essence, just get the picture. This is kind of like a uh, fight club squadron. One dude struck out. Okay? They're, 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 they're all entrusted. One guy, man, he just didn't get it. And he's full of excuses. You know, a lot of things can happen. You know, a lot of people, they, they got so much stuff going on, and, and, and it feels like they're in the game. But, you know, how many know a lot of stuff, a lot of craziness can happen in the stand? You know, maybe in the stand you don't have to worry about concussions normally. But they can still happen. Hello? It can still happen. You know, TJ and I, we, we, it's just about game time, just before kickoff time. And everybody, everybody's sitting there, and, and, and they're getting ready. You know, and TJ's chowing down on, on his $30 worth of nachos and drinking a $14 pop. And, 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 uh, uh, and the couple behind us, they were, they were grandparents. They had their grandson. They were, uh, you know, uh, uh, they had brought him to the game. And, and Grandpa, he was on crutches. He couldn't get up and down the, uh, you know, the stands very well. And Grandma, she, you know, uh, she was coming back down. Uh, they, they had been seated, and she had been set off, and she was coming back down, and, and everybody's screaming there because it's so loud, even before the game. It's just crazy loud. And, uh, and, and they're screaming, so you're kind of like always involved in everybody else's conversations. And, uh, and, and I hear him screaming, and he's getting madder and madder, so, you know, it's kind of got my attention. And, and uh, where's my beer? And she's like, you know, and she's screaming. You can't hear her. Where's my beer? And as she gets closer, she said, I heard her say, I didn't have my ID. Okay, she didn't need it. Okay, okay. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't mean that in a, in a mean way, but it, dude, she didn't need it. And, and, and he, it just ain't registering in, in his brain. And he's like, where's my beer? You know, that's all he cares about. And I didn't, I didn't have my ID. I didn't have my ID. And by that time, she's right there, and she looks at me because I'm looking at them. And, and so she screams it at me. I didn't have my ID. And I'm trying to be nice. And I smiled and I said, I get it. You know, I'm just trying to be polite. Like, oh, yeah, you look young. I'm lying. But I'm not any good at it. I said, you know, I get it. And she goes, you will. And she hands me her money. And she looks at her at grandpa and she says, this nice guy's going to get our beer. And I look at TJ, and TJ's like, later. <laughs> you know, I miss kickoff because, you know what? You know what was weird is it was just about kickoff time, and so, you know, I got this money. Where do you buy beer? I, I go up all these stairs and wander around the whole place. I go past the donut line. There ain't nobody there. Go past the nacho line. Ain't nobody there. Get to the beer line. It's a mile and a half long. I just figured that, that, you know, that'd be the one time I'd show up on the Jumbotron. <laughs> and I got to tell you something, man, they fill those things to the top. A lot can happen in the stadium. I think it's safer on the field. These guys, they, they get their talent. They get, what, they get what King James Bible calls talents to one he gave five. Uh, 
A talent is the largest unit of accounting in Greek financial transactions. See, I, I, just, I, just want you to, I just want you to understand what they had been entrusted with. One talent equals 10,000 denarii. A denarii, you know, the, the, the value of a denarii floated around, but it was basically an average day's pay. So if you made $50,000 a year, that'd be $1,000 a week, $200 a day. So 200 times 10,000, $2 million. So each, each talent was about 2 million bucks. These guys had been entrusted with a little bit more than often what we think of. We, you know, we're thinking of like they got five quarters or something. Yeah, you know, they, they got five bucks. Or, 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 no, we're, we're talking, in, in essence, it's kind of like winning the lottery. These guys, are, these guys are set up, okay? And now, now that you get it, now that you understand what they were entrusted with, how about you? Look at what the master has entrusted you with. How about your life? What's that worth? You know, they resuscitated Nick, what, six times the other night? Amen. You know, what's your life worth? You've been entrusted with quite a bit. And now add in your skills. Because, you know, your skills, he gave you those. You know, whether you can sing or you can administrate or operate a crane, what are those skills? Those skills, what are those worth? How about your body, your health, your experiences, your financial resources? You know, uh, welfare recipients live higher than three-fourths of the world's population. So just consider what you've been entrusted with. And then, you know, a lot of times when we're looking at what we've been entrusted with, we leave out some of the most valuable things. How about your wounds? How about those things that you've been pulled through by the grace of God? Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I just think that sometimes our wounds are our most valuable assets. You know, and, and the ability, you know, to, to use that thing. Maybe you've lost a child or, or suffered a divorce or, 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 or come through deep depression, but now you stand in a place of restored victory. You, 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 have, you, you have experienced real breakthrough and your ability to reach back and, and, and pull somebody else up through something. And, and you could do it like nobody else could because you've been there. How about that? How, you know, because a lot of times we don't think about that as, as like the gift that God's given us. But the reality is, is that those are some of our, our greatest assets. And, and, and as a believer, on top of that, you have insane unforgiveness. Look what you've been entrusted with. Life as God has it. You got God life. You've been entrusted with this. So uh, with, with all of that, as a, you know, with all of that, then, then the questions start rolling in. And the first one is, what will I do with what I have been given? You know, I've been entrusted. I've been entrusted. You know, the story that we read here, it's a picture of the master's generosity. Your life is a picture of the master's generosity. He entrusted you with your mind. He entrusted you with your body. He entrusted you with your resources. He's entrusted you with your skills. He's entrusted you with your time. He's entrusted you with your talent. He's entrusted you with your treasure. 
And look at the instructions that this guy gave his servants. None. You know, he, you know, everybody talks about God's a controller. No, he's not. It's insane freedom and liberty. And he's looking at you. He's like, hey, you use your creativity. You use your initiative. You, you get down. You get on the field and get in the game. And my DNA, God says, is in you. And, and, and greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If God be for you, who cares against you? But get in the game. Think about it, man. Two guys go to bed that night. They probably couldn't sleep at once. The Bible says they went at once. They went to work. They won five more. No holding back. And then you got the third guy. He went away, he dug a hole, he experienced no change. His failure isn't described in the activities he engaged in, but in the lack of activity. I think a lot of times, you know, a lot of times we think about sins, stuff that's hurting us, stuff that's killing us. And, and, and you know, in church life, we, we've made it kind of weird because we think about the stuff we do. And I just want to submit this thought to you today that maybe what you do isn't really the thing that's hurting you, but it's the things that you're not doing that you could do that would be a great breakthrough for your life, that those are the things that are sucking the life out of it. It's the stuff that you haven't engaged in that could produce breakthrough. It's the thing that you haven't embraced, that you haven't invested in. That's, that could be the, the, the thing that opens the door for your future. And the enemy has you worried about, well, you know, oh, there you went again. See, you had that thought there. Ooh, you said that. Ooh, you smoked a cigarette. Oh, bad, bad boy. If you were engaged in what you could be doing, a lot of the stuff that you have been doing, you wouldn't have time to do it. You'd have no desire to do it. Why? Because, because you'd, you'd feel better. Think about some of the stuff that you haven't done. Love that was not offered. Wounds that were not cared for. Words that you didn't share servanthood you didn't give, gratitude you didn't express, risks you didn't take. See, that third guy, there's no bold adventure in his life. He didn't even get involved with the master's investment. He wasn't willing to risk at all. He was filled with excuses. It's as if all he had to say was, nope. You going to get involved? Nope. You going to make investment? Nope. You going to change the world? Nope. Well, look what you've been entrusted with. How are you going to live? Same old way. You know what's sad is how many people have received Christ and how do they live? Same way they did before. Yeah, but I got a t-shirt, a bumper sticker. Yeah, and a nasty attitude. You know, it's the same old, same old. The same old, same old. You've heard that story, right, about the same old, same old? It's the guy that, you know, gets up out of the same old, same old bed, walks into the same old, same old bathroom, looks in the same old, same old mirror, shaves the same old, same old face, brushes the same old, same old teeth, gets in the same old, same old shower, gets out with the same old, same old towel, puts on the same old, same old suit, Goes down the same old, same old hallway, sits down at the same old, same old table, grabs the same old, same old bowl, and eats the same old, same old cereal with the same old, same old milk. Gets up from the same old, same old table, kisses the same old, same old wife, 
goes out and gets in the same old, same old car, drives down the same old, same old street, goes to the same old, same old job, does the same old, same old stuff, has the same old, same old attitude, works the same old, same old hours, gets back in the same old, same old car, drives back down the same old, same old street, comes into the same old, same old house, sits at the same old, same old chair, watches the same old, same old news, has the same old, same old dinner, he, he falls asleep at the same old, same old time, she wakes him up at the same old, same old hour, he gets up and goes into the same old, same old bed. He asks the same old, same old wife, the same old, same old question, gets the same old, same old answer. Goes, rolls over, goes back to sleep, and gets up tomorrow and does the same old, same old thing again. Man, you're boring. Got to have some adventure in this thing. Hello, somebody. I want to ask, what could stir you enough to get you awake? What could motivate you just enough to entice you to get in the game? Maybe you could adopt a child or start a business or help a couple reconcile. Or maybe you could minister to somebody who's fighting a disease or go to war against human trafficking or hand out food to the hungry or befriend a widow or start a grow group or raise an offering or play an instrument or teach a child. What could you do with what you've been entrusted with. And I think it leads to the next question. What could prevent me from becoming a good and faithful servant? See, I, I want to point out that faithful in this in the story here, faithful isn't maintaining. It's increasing. Look at the example. The wicked, slothful servant. He wasn't out smoking crack and robbing banks wearing a wife beater. He was just hanging, maintaining what he had been entrusted with. See, his problem, his problem wasn't greed. It was fear. You know, in verse 24, he said, I knew you were hard. I knew you were a hard man, and I was afraid. I knew you were hard. I, you know, I was afraid to take any risk. What if I failed? What would people say? You know, you know what's crazy? It's, check it out. He, he said, I knew that you harvested where you haven't sown. You gather where you haven't scattered seed. Can, can I just tell you something? This guy thinks wrong. Hello? He thinks wrong. Oh, and let me, let, let me just share this with you. That if you're thinking wrong, let me tell you what wrong thinking will produce. Fear. Look at what he said. He said, uh, uh, I knew that you harvested where you didn't plant. Excuse me, nobody harvests where they don't plant. I knew that you don't even scatter seed and stuff comes back. No, that's not how it operates. Be not deceived. God will not be mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. But his mind's so messed up, and that's what has him in fear. And maybe the fact that you're afraid to get in the game is based off of a wrong belief system. Maybe, maybe you ain't got boldness and confidence because you're standing on a word that's a lie. Maybe you don't have strong relationships because you've believed a lie. People can't be trusted. Maybe you've never had health in a, in a relationship because 
they don't deserve forgiveness. Maybe you've never had a real breakthrough in, in, in your business because, well, all the church wants is my money. Maybe the, maybe the thing that you're standing on is a lie and it causes you to be afraid to obey. Well, I'm faithful. I'm here all the time. Here all the time isn't faithful. Producing increase is. See, and, and you got you to get this, that if the enemy can keep you busy, then he might be able to also prevent you from being effective. Am I done? Oh, I just thought maybe you were, you were shut me down. See, this story isn't about stewardship. We think of this as it's all about stewardship. He's talking about money. No, I'm talking about risk. I'm talking about risk. I, I, I'm talking about breaking the back of that fear that keeps you from engaging. See, I, I have really, really little, little patience with, with, with people who, who, are, who are afraid of risk. Because, you know, man, when, when, when we started the church, you know, Shelby and I, we, it was, uh, you know, we had three kids and no income. We didn't have anybody promising to, to cover our bills or, or to pay us a salary. Or, or, and, you know, we, we, and we went six months. And I know what you're going to say. You chose to not take a salary for six months. You chose it. Right. I chose to take a risk. Yeah. Why? Because you, nothing, nothing that you do for God, there's no way to fulfill the purpose of God from your comfort zone. You're going to have to take risks. You're going to have to trust God. Well, I have faith. Then you'll be moving without fear. See, faith isn't believing regardless of the circumstance. Faith is obeying regardless of the consequence. It's the ability to do what God says, even though you don't see how it's going to work out. Hello? See, I, I got to tell you something. They're, they're, you know, the bedwetting, Maalox drinking, fear-minded people irritate me. We're going to rip out the grass out here and add 100 parking spaces for at least 100 more families. Hello? It's 20. It, well, don't, don't clap unless we're going to take another offering. You see, anybody can shout. Anybody can honk. But when, going here is different. Right? And, well, they're 2,500 bucks a pop. Well, we, you know, what if we can't pay for one? What if I can't afford it? What if I promise to buy one and then I lose my job? What if I, and see, that, that thinking, and please don't say those things to me. Say it to somebody else. Because that, that, that stuff drives me nuts. We would not be where we are. You wouldn't have a chair to sit in if we, if we let some bedwetter who thought like you think make the decisions. I'm just in a good mood. See, I'd rather try and fail than fail to try. I'd rather go down in a blaze of fire than just sit in a puddle because I was afraid to trust God. See, a lot of people, they're afraid to trust God with their money. They're afraid to trust God with their finances. They're afraid to trust God with their career. They're afraid to trust God with their relationships. They're afraid to trust. Don't be afraid. And, 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 and really, listen, there, there's, there's one more question I want us to get to. I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff and get to this last question. What do you want to hear when your life is over? What do you want to hear? Well done. Good job. 
give me five. Or what was that? This is your life. And I need to remind you, this is your one and only life. You got to get in the game. And I ain't talking about getting into church services. This is the locker room. Man, I love our locker room. But, you know, it don't make any difference about the speech that's given in the locker room or the lights that flash or the high... I love it. But we don't get to declare ourselves as Super Bowl champions because we had a great locker room meeting. You got to get on the field. You got to take the love of God and love somebody out there who's unlovely. You you, got to make a difference in somebody's life out on the field. See, it's out on the field. And here, we're building a team. And here, we're learning the plays. But it's out there. Out there's where we're going to win the game. And a lot of us, you know, a lot of us, you know, churches can, it's so easy for us to kind of lose our mission. You know, think about, you know, a a, a library. and, And their mission is to get books into the hands of people. Sometimes the librarian can get a little bit weird about it. Because, you know, hey, don't touch those books. Hey, don't, 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 don't rearrange the shelves. Because Dewey will be disappointed. You know, we need to keep it sterile. We need to keep it fresh. No, we need to get books in the hands of people. That's what the mission is. We need to get life out into the community. We need, we need to carry the love of God outside this property. We, we need to go out and, and, and tell people who are far from God that God has life for them, that there is hope for them, there is forgiveness for them, there is healing for them. And I don't care whether you like them or not. God loves them. Well, yeah, but I, I disagree with their lifestyle. You're an idiot. Well, be careful. You'll offend someone and they'll leave. If we're not going to change the world, Goodbye. I don't give a flying flip whether you like it or not. The reality is, is that we think we're winning. You know what? A lot of times we think we're winning, and we ain't even in the game yet. I need to challenge you today. You've been entrusted with way too much. You can't just go hide it. See, a lot of people, this isn't the locker room. This is the hole they've dug where they take what God's entrusted to them and they put it here. It'll be safe here. Won't get a concussion here. Won't sprain my ankle here. Won't pull my Achilles. Won't, won't get winded. And we can talk about how we're changing the world. We don't change the world till we leave here. What's it going to take to get you to stir up again? What could prevent you from being faithful, from experiencing increase? What do you want to hear? Get in the game. Don't you be afraid about what anybody else is going to think. Don't you worry about, well, yeah, but they know my past. Yeah, he knows your future. Don't, don't, don't you be looking across the, uh, uh, across the locker room thinking, well, I bet, they, I bet they won't like it if I do this. We ain't doing it for them. We're doing it for him. Get in the game. Get in the game. Come on, somebody. Get in the game. Thank you, God. Close your book, bow your head, and let's pray. Some of you guys, you know what? The first first step to getting in the game 
It's, 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 not just, it, you know, it's not just collecting the gear, getting the jersey, but l- l- let me tell you, one of the things that's re- really going to help you in the game, the helmet. <laughs> the Bible calls it the helmet of salvation. You know, maybe today uh, you've been recruited. Maybe you played for a different team, but now you're on this one. But we're all going to pray a prayer together. And I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out, but if, if you're here today and it's time, it's, it's time to just say, you know what, instead of running from God, I'm going to run to him. Instead of sitting in a bleacher, I'm going to get down there, gear up, and get on the field. If that's you, I want you to make this prayer your prayer. We're all going to pray it together, but if you're here today and you say, Pastor Tom, that's me. Well, nobody's looking around. I just want you to hold your hand up real high so I can agree with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's awesome. You can put them down. Anybody else? Yeah, it's time. It's time to get in the game. Time to take the field. So awesome. When everybody in this place pray this with me, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me hope. Give me strength. Give me vision. I choose to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come on, give the Lord one more shout, one more praise.